0: Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder.
1: Okay, hey, welcome to the show, Uh, Devin and Justin Liggett. Good to see you again. How are you? Thank you for having me again. Well, I (laughs) mean... Like, we've
0: done some episodes yeah, yeah yeah again but like i'm like having me it's like i, I do work at the office. yeah we walked <laughs> so it's, it's 10 of, feet over exactly it's not as it's not as formalized of a guest process yeah
1: yeah <laughs> although i gotta say it's nice having the the in-studio podcast the Absolutely. zoom stuff is great you get to meet people all over the country but the uh right here at the, you know, in this, in the studio is fun too. Absolutely. A lot of I fun. Totally agree. So we're going to jump in and talk a little bit today about core values. Uh, right. This company has changed and evolved a lot over the years. So, um, you know, one of the nice things is through all that, the core values have, were kind of there at the inception have guided a lot of the decision-making. Even, even though now we're a much bigger company doing diff- different kinds of projects, things like that. So. Absolutely. And you know, it's
0: it really kind of speaks to, I mean, a lot of times vision and preparation and things like that, whenever you kind of go through this sort of exercise before you hit growth spurts the way that our company has kind of thing, because it really steals your focus and your vision and really kind of gives you something to, especially like where we are right now with the level of them, just the, the number of people that are working with us now and the right. impact that we're having whenever it comes to culture and making sure that you're kind of galvanizing uh, your people around a common purpose. I think that having those kind of values is the backbone for the organization to help support that cultural element is a, is a huge thing. But it really kind of popped up for me, I think. Lately, as far as wanting to talk about values, because it's really a lot of just the time of year. You know, this I think this is going to publish christmas for us. Nice. I obviously wore my Christmas sweater. Yes. <laughs> the it. only time I get to wear it during the year and not feel really dorky about it. <laughs> um, it's to- yeah, it's totally in it's, the... It sure is popping on that screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wasn't Watch fair. the video, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, it, you know, the a big word that I kept hearing a lot kind of leading up to this this holiday season is, and, and us kind of talking about it, in the property management function, is transformation is a big word that kind of keeps coming up. Yes, and then naturally, just you know, in the kind of the loop of holiday movies and and everything else, it kind of gets whipped up into the holiday season. Gratitude is for a sure. big thing for me, and so like. What I kind of wanted to have a talk about, as far as it relates to values, is kind of talking about the values as as a larger framework for how we do things and like kind of the style that we carry here at DJE, but also transition to some like practical examples over the years or even you know more recent stuff um, of how those values really kind of show up in our business, in our projects, and so on and so forth. So I thought that that might be kind of a good kind of holiday-related sort of discussion. So great. Let's start with everybody or everyone involved wins. You know, aligning the resources and talent. We deliver results that are greater than the sum of its parts.
1: Yeah. You know, right out up- Yeah, everyone involved wins. I think um, that's number one, and it's number one for a reason. I think when I was introduced to this whole business model of, uh, you know, which we're, we still do today, right? You, you deploy some capital into some real estate project for a profit. I mean, that's essentially what we've done since I did my very first project back in 2012. And at the time uh, I was taught that philosophy. And this is really just borrowing from Stephen Covey's Mm -hmm. seven habits, highly effective people think win-win is one of his habits. Um, So we're not reinventing the wheel here, just kind of adapting it to our company. And the concept was on that very first project. Well, um, we're gonna de- we're gonna deploy some capital. This is maybe a hard money lender lending me money for the project. Then we're gonna buy a distressed piece of real estate, a beat up house in this case. Then we're gonna hire some people, and the and the end result was you had a nicer house, it had been improved. The neighbors liked that. Um, you had a a nice house to rent out. The renter liked that. Everything was fixed on it. The contractor that did the work liked being involved. They got paid. The lender that lent me money at 14% was happy. They were making a strong return. And at the end of the day, I was happy because I got some equity in this project and, and, uh, and it worked enough to go do it again. And, you know, through that framework of everyone involved wins, wins, I really felt like, wow, everybody, everybody did win. I mean, the, the neighborhood, the renter, the contractor, the lender, uh, and me, And so that was the framework for it. And then over time, that really morphed into this kind of investor first mentality of, you know, how do we put investors first and be really sort of almost maniacal about doing that? And that's led to over the years really like an just incredible amount of capital that we're able to put in our deals because it's always investors first. And if you build your company that way then there's kind of always capital there to go do the next project. So I really do firmly believe that. And then, you know, in, in that everyone involved wins um, core value. And then now we've taken it to the next level, starting the property management company a couple of years ago, is how do we, you know, go from this company that was using third-party property management, and it was just a ha- we were just a handful of folks kind of at the corporate level doing it, to now, you know, we just had our 2021 Christmas party, and, you know, there's... 50 people there, whatever the case is. It's right. pretty wild and, and trying to transfer those core values to a much larger group that, you know, it's in many cases, I'm not hiring directly or, or whatever. It gets even more important, I think, to talk about those core values. And I saw this at Rackspace. I mean, I saw thousands of people aligning to varying degrees, but aligning around a set of core values that people like were serious about. And I remember the CEO of Rackspace saying at one point in his tenure, He's like, "Ah, I thought it was this silly stuff that was just on the wall and, and and was going to take it down. And people like were revolting, you know, they're like, no, this is like, we, this is really important to us, this core value. So I got to see that in my corporate career at Rackspace and how impactful that was and wanted to develop a set of core values that was, um, you know, small enough. We don't, we don't want 12 things to try and remember small enough to be able to kind of reference Um, general enough to be able to apply to a growing company Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe different types of projects. And so everyone involved wins. It's just kind of a riff on Stephen Covey think win, win. But when we do that, you know, we're thinking about in terms of decades here and in terms of lifetime relationships. And so this is not, you know, we're not going to try to, you know, get a leg up on one transaction so that we can do a couple of points better on one transaction and that be it. I mean, that's such a short-sighted mentality. We're trying to do deals and projects for decades with people and the same partners or investors, and you you have to have a win-win approach when, you, when you're when you looking at it through that lens.
0: Yeah, it, it, absolutely, I totally agree. Um, and one of the things I really like about this one kind of, although I don't think that they're in any sort of like numerical order, even though they are numbered, but like right. this one really kind of, I feel, establishes like the scope of purpose at our firm. Like this is what has to be done in order for us to do work that we're proud of, to be able to do tiny improvements to daily. And it almost kind of feels like this is the bar of like all of the rest of our values kind of coming up underneath it and feeding that purpose. And so like, that was a really encouraging for me thing for me a couple of years ago, whenever I joined the firm. Sure. I'm seeing like, cause I mean like having a purpose allows people to have that sort of reaction that you saw at Rackspace. Mm-hmm. Whenever people, you know, take ownership of something that kind of feeds their level of professionalism and how they approach the business, people will latch on to that and it it'll become theirs and I think that that's really like where you see that inflection point from a cultural standpoint in a company right. is whenever re- people take something that has been passed down to them or kind of trained into them and they make it their own and and the company kind of grows and becomes Something very similar, but also something kind of a little bit different at the same time. So it's really, it's really
1: cool to see. It is cool to see. It's amazing. I mean, it's uh it's it's amazing to see kind of that transfer of ownership of some of these ideas. And you know, a friend of mine in Dallas runs a company and he always says, uh, culture beats strategy. Mm-hmm. And I just sometimes I struggle with that idea, but it's you get to a point when you're growing that it does. It, it really does. And so, um, anyway, big focus yeah. for us on, on <laughs> culture. And I think you have to have a, a, f- a framework of core values to build that around. Absolutely. So number two, deliver at all costs, deliver yeah, at, yeah. All costs. at all costs, all costs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorites because I, I found early in this company, um, that I had seen some people in the business of basically taking on capital uh, with what I thought was kind of a flippant approach to you borrow some money or you take on investors' capital and, well, they know the risks and hopefully it works out. And I just have never had that mentality. My mentality has always been we're taking capital into this project. Uh, the number one thing that happens is that, that we do what we're, we say we're going to do for that capital, mm. right? And so that's been... The focus of the company ever since inception, right? So we don't get into risky projects that we feel like we couldn't deliver on. We always make our distributions. Uh, we did have a period in COVID where we paused them like a lot of people, but then we caught back up on that, right? We didn't use that as an excuse to say, well, you know, world's kind of on fire. We don't have to pay distributions. We didn't do that, right? We paused it for a little bit and then as soon as it was prudent, back to distributions, catch everybody up. So delivering on that for investors is, uh, and I talk about all the time internally, is like this why we exist, Mm -hmm. right? So um, it seems like one of those things is kind of self-evident to me. That should be obvious, but it bears putting on the website, talking about it, building into the core values it's it's that important. Um, and if that means there's gotta be some heroic effort behind the scenes happening from time to time, absolutely. Deliver at all costs. It's that's you know, we, we can't exist as a company and continue to do projects if some of our projects do well and some of them don't. We've gotta deliver on all these projects.
0: Absolutely. That was kind of an interesting thing that you brought up, because I mean I transitioned, I was on the investment management side of this business prior to coming over into Multifamily and private equity uh, investing, and uh, that was a thing for me that kind of was a bit of a, a, not like a sticker shock moment, but kind of like a cultural or like an approach shock. Was um, this sort of high touch environment on that side of the fence with like mutual fund stocks, whatever it is. A lot of the time, probably related intrinsically to the liquid, the liquid nature of those sort of things. So you get a lot more calls and things like that. But the thing that really struck me as far as how we conduct ourselves here, relative to everything else that's going on in our in our little sliver of the industry um, is the idea of consideration. And that really kind of started to show up to me for like whenever I got here and we started to really consider the investors experience, especially during COVID and then all have taken that and really kind of made it are the benchmark for like our communication strategy and also just how we consider our investors during the business plan and during the investment, which I kind of just the feedback that I've gotten most consistently aside from related to things as far as how we communicate is just the aspect that we just kind of go, I think I've heard that we just go a little bit above and beyond as far as the consideration of people and and really kind of considering their experience with this investment and also with DJE um, rather than it just kind of being a, You've given us money, and now we'll talk to you whenever there's something that we feel like is worthwhile talking about, kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it's uh, it's evolved from you know. I remember my first investor was somebody that I had met that was uh, started funding some of these projects, and I I was. It was such a sacred thing for me to take on somebody else's capital. And it was several years before I started doing larger projects with multiple investors, syndications, things like that, which we would do today. But I don't think it's ever changed for me the, uh, <laughs> the solemn responsibility of, of taking on capital. I mean, if that doesn't scare you to death as an operator, I think – maybe I don't want to invest with you. Right. right? So that's been number one since day one. It still is. It's why we continue to grow and do deals. Awesome. Number three,
0: do work we're proud of. This is one of my favorites as well. So, um, let's, uh, I'd love to hear you kind of expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's important in, you know, and it's kind of almost, uh, we've got delivered all costs number two. So that, you know, that requires its own action sometimes, but we're also we also want to deliver you know what we're dealing with is really housing for the most part i mean we've got some land stuff and and that's a little bit different but for the most part historically we've done a lot of single family projects redevelopment development and then lion's share what we do today is multifamily housing. I mean, there are thousands of families that are living in a product that we um have a massive influence on the quality of right so we're also not forever owners of these assets. And that that weighs on me a lot, right? I mean, we might buy a complex, an apartment complex that was built in the 1980s, but we're not going to own it for the next hundred years. We're going to own it for, I mean, we say five years and oftentimes it's three. Yeah. So we really are just stewards temporarily of these of these assets. And and, and I mean it's kind of cliche, but we want to leave them better than we found them. We want to leave these communities better than we found them. And in the same way that we want to take investor capital for some finite period of time, and we want to we want to leave the capital better than we found it. We want to turn 100 and do 180K, you know, and, and improve that capital situation for the investor. But we also want to take this apartment complex that we brought in, do what we do in terms of renovation, maybe a rebrand, maybe it's landscaping. I mean, you name it. We do. Do all kinds of stuff to these projects, and we want to basically leave it better than we found it. And I think do work we're proud of can apply to every facet and every task within an organization. Right? Is mm. this yes? I check the box; it's done. But is this something that you know we're spending all of us the majority of our life uh, waking hours at work, and so we want to we want to do something that we're that we're proud of. Um, and we have an, uh, we have in this business. Uh, happen to be impacting thousands of people's living situations, right? So that's, I think, even another layer of responsibility for us to to do work that we're proud of and uh, leave it better than we found it. Absolutely. And, I mean,
0: what are, a lot of the ways that I've heard you kind of talk um, about how I think this kind of shows up practically in a lot of examples is, um, like, the reputation that we have in this city. Like, yes. if we weren't to act as if and, like, not take care for these things, even if it's a temporary steward... Then whenever we turn around and try and buy another project or sell another project if we didn't do work that we're proud of prior to that or leading up to that how does that affect our ability to source or identify new deal flow additional deals in the future like if we don't show up and actually take a certain level of care over those families and the properties um that we um that, that, that we can work with. Sure. It's a huge, huge thing, like as far as the viability or the vitality of our business in the future. So I think kind of like doing the right thing and acting as if it's such a huge, huge, just mindset uh, and approach for, for people to be successful in this business.
1: Yeah, yeah, It is. And it's also, it's, you know, who do you want to be? I mean, there's always an option to do something cheaper or to, to, to do something, you know, that will get, that will yield one result. But at the end of the day, is that reflective of who you want to just be as a person? I mean, this is money is a big part of what we do, but it's not everything. Exactly. So, uh, moving on
0: to the the last one, tiny improvements daily. Um, let's kind of touch on that a little bit and, uh, show up, Let's see how that shows up practically. I think.
1: Yeah, but this this for me is a concept, uh, uh, you know, that shows up in a lot of different ways. If you're, you know, looking at building a business or whatever, but it, it really kind of showed up for me in a book I was reading about uh, these guys that were exploring the North Pole. I mean, just crazy conditions as you can imagine. And they would set these milestones out because uh, they're in these awful, you know, blizzard conditions, and if they were off track a degree. You know, they go out five miles and they would miss the milestone, they would die, right? So it was like, you you have to hit those milestones, but the the point was that a a tiny, um, you know, you you feel like you're on track, but if you're off track just a little bit, that's going to have massive implications in a year, in five years. And the the opposite is true, right? If you're making a small improvement today that's going to save a couple of bucks or save a few minutes and, and you extrapolate that out over the course of a year or a growing organization, um, it works both ways. So tiny improvement today that you could think of as a small shift in direction, which down the line has a massive impact. You know, I think about this uh, as during my, you know, a pilot, my pilot training, you're, you need to stay the course and a one, one degree off here doesn't have much impact over three miles. Mm-hmm five miles, it starts to have an impact. You know, you're heading over 25 miles though, one degree off a of heading over 25 miles. You start to see, wow, that I'm going to be in a different place. And so uh, applying that to the business and saying, yes, we're doing these things, we're delivering, we're doing work we're proud of, all these things, but what can we do right now to, to not radically change everything, but what can we do this week to make this process a tiny little bit better so that um, we're changing course for the positive or we're changing our heading or our course so that, you know, a year down the line, five years down the line, we're in a completely different place than we would have been if we hadn't intentionally taken that initiative to improve things a little tiny bit today.
0: Right. One of my favorite parts about this is, is a little bit of a personal thing. Like my dad was a quality assurance officer, auditor sure. growing up. And so like, though it wasn't explicitly conceptualized or framed to us this way, like the, the balance and the trade-off between efficiency and effectiveness was like a huge, huge concept in our household. And it really kind of speaks, I think, to a lot of what, what you're kind of describing in the sense that like, whenever you make small, small changes, it can have a positive or a negative impact. And it's like, what are the value of those some of those smaller things that maybe don't yield results mm. um, if you don't get to that next check mark or that next sort of thing? Right. I think that whenever you take it from an investment standpoint and a business uh, purpose, kind of how we work, whenever you take into account the size of these projects and how many, you know, units are in an overall project. And then those sort of small, you know, gains in step or missteps. And like, because of the sheer size of them, sometimes the exponentiality of it becomes like something that you have to keep an eye on whenever it comes to efficiency and effectiveness. Right. That was kind of a thing that from like a process wonk standpoint and going yeah. up with somebody who was one, uh, really kind of <laughs> was like, you know this is totally efficiency versus effectiveness kind of thing right here. And yep. really kind of
1: spoke to me that way. Yeah, yeah, outstanding. Yeah. So it's it's been a set of core values that have, have uh, served the company well, kind of during inception and through kind of the initial years. And then now where we are, uh, you know, managing thousands of units, you know, tens of millions of dollars of investor capital, the company's grown. And I think, uh, you know, I'm proud that the core values still stand up, you know, this is still stands up. And I think it still stands up for the future of the, of the firm and, and new projects we get into as well.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. makes me really excited about 2022.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to next year too. So, um, let's just kind of wrap that up there. Little overview on the core values. Yep. Um, you guys listening, if you haven't met Justin, jump on a, jump on a call. Uh, we can set that up <laughs> and, um, look forward to catching up soon. All right. Thanks for having me again. All right. See you. Bye.